Welcome to Quaker Faith and Podcast, where we will explore traditional Quaker beliefs and the variety of Quaker beliefs found today. Welcome back to Quaker Faith and Podcast. And um, finally, I think for the first time in this entire um, podcast, we are going to say the word spices. So I'm Mackenzie, and uh, my co-host is Micah. And um, I'm sure there are people who have been listening for a year going, okay, but what about spices? So Oregano is so good. Really? Wait, hang on. Oregano is an herb, not a spice. Yeah, it's in my spice cabinet. <laughs> so um, we are now moving into, this is now, we're declaring this to be season four of the podcast. We are moving into chapter seven of traditional Quaker Christianity, which is on faithful living. And the first section in here is our lives as our testimony. And the topic here is testimony versus testimonies, plural. Um, If you have listened to Paint Dandelion's Swarthmore lecture from 2014, um, you will remember that there was a section where he talked about this. If you haven't, you should totally listen to it. I highly recommend it. Um, Do you want to, since we started out this episode, like, mentioning spices and all this, like, some of our listeners may have no idea what you're talking about. That's true. So, um, SPICES is an acronym that is used among U.S. Quakers for simplicity, peace, integrity, community, equality. Then we get a little fuzzy on what the S is. Stewardship? Sometimes people say stewardship. Sometimes people say sustainability. Okay. Um, there's uh, also an acronym that's used in Britain of STEP, which is for simplicity, truth, equality, peace. Um, you'll notice that it's shorter, but so what's going on here is that we're going to start with the word testimony and what it means. And it can mean evidence in support of a fact or proof. That would be an example of when you hear that word used is when you're talking about a courtroom, like somebody prevent, somebody presents testimony in court as to what they witnessed. The other thing is a public declaration regarding a religious experience. And if you have ever been to an evangelical church, you will have encountered that where somebody gets up and says, uh, actually, actually, the song Amazing Grace is an example of this. Um, I was so lost. I was this terrible person. And then I found Jesus and through faith in him, I have been reborn and I've become this great new person and blah, blah, blah. That's not pretty sarcastic, but actually, uh, you know, that's sort of the foundational narrative for Protestant Christianity. Yeah. Well, okay. Anyway. <laughs> and just, just, just for the record. Sorry since, for the sarcasm. Since, since Mackenzie was so sarcastic I, when she I ran out of, <laughs> I ran out of what comes next because I've never actually heard one. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> just, just to make, to make sure listeners don't misunderstand since Mackenzie was so sarcastic about like basically the faith narrative of a billion people. Um, I actually do, I actually do share that faith narrative of like my life, my life was falling apart and then I found God and things changed. So like I, I can, re- I can relate to the amazing grace style narrative and testimony. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, so, in the book, they talk about how for the first 300 years of Quakers' existence, both of these were in there. And actually, you know, I'd say that a lot of what you hear people say during um, waiting worship is effectively testimony. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it's not a testimony of being born again. It's a testimony of some other aspect of how spirit is moving in their life. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I think it's the specifically the born again type of testimony is the thing where I've never actually like I think I've heard somebody say that sort of thing once and it's just well I mean I'll anyway. I'll, I'll give an example I'll give an example of, of uh, a testimony that I heard in a Quaker church uh, some years back uh, it was actually very interesting because the the uh, the preacher for that day after the testimony was given. Uh, basically said, well, I think we've heard our sermon, so next week I'll, I'll give a sermon, but I'm not going to even bother today. Um, okay. Because the, the, the t- testimony was extensive, but during the waiting worship time, a couple got up and basically, like, gave extended testimony about how they were, they were, they were ready to get a divorce, but then God intervened in their marriage, and now, like that, they, you know, were recovering in their marriage, and, and things were going better, and thanking God for that. Um, and so, like, you know, there is, there is, like, you know, sort of your salvation testimony, but there's also testimony about how God, like, basically, like, intervenes in your life in different ways and, like, makes dramatic changes in your life. Yeah, and Mike and I had a conversation a few weeks ago um, in a Friends of Jesus thing where his response to the thing I said was that that was a, that was a powerful testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, anyway, back to, you know, continuing. Um, so... It says that throughout the first three centuries, friends embraced both definitions, recognizing that Jesus and the scriptures enjoin us to witness not only with our tongues, but also with our lives. And they give a Bible verse where Jesus is telling the apostles, look, not everybody who calls me Lord is actually going to get into heaven because you got to do the, you got to do the things too, right? You have to do God's will. It's not enough to just say it. And I think we've talked before about um, professors and possessors. Um, that professing faith is not the same same thing as possessing faith. Mm-hmm. Um, it also talks about um, good fruit and bad fruit, which is another analogy that comes from the New Testament, that a good tree bears good fruit um, and a bad tree bears bad fruit and, you know, never the opposite type of thing, basically. Um so that and so bearing bearing fruit is another way of talking about testimony. Right. That that you're that if you really have faith that you're going to live it out, it's going to be visible in your life in the way that you treat others. And um, and you know I think some I don't know maybe eight episodes ago now um, we said um, that we mentioned the fruits of the spirit, right? And um, which in the Bible are love, joy, peace forbearance, alternatively patience, if you prefer that translation, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, as opposed to Michael was giving that as a contrast to, um, wealth as being a fruit of the spirit, which it is not. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, this is all very much about how faith transforms into actions. Right. But so I, I guess, I guess the, to use sort of a courtroom analogy, which is like very, Common, especially in the Western tradition of Christianity, think of think of faith in courtroom terms. It's kind of weird, uh, but it's like it's really big in like in Paul's writings. Paul uses a number of courtroom sort of analogies. Like the term justification mm-hmm. is a is a courtroom thing. Funny enough, when I was a Catholic, I remember having a thing where they were like mm-hmm. going through and showing us how the furniture in front of a Catholic church matches what's in a courtroom. Yeah, I, well, that's super tangent, but I will <laughs> say uh, when I have been in court, I was astonished how much it felt like a church. Um, okay. which I don't think is an accident. Uh, but in any case, I think like, uh, the two sort of ways of thinking about testimony as one of being like 
bearing bearing witness to what to like your experience of God on the one hand, and on the other hand being uh, being sort of a a, a a practical proof of the reality of the gospel through your actions. I think can be sort of thought of in, in a courtroom sense of like the first way is of, of getting up on the witness stand and and telling what you've seen, and the second way would be actually submitting evidence to the court mm-hmm. that they could that they that they could you know file and and, and look at as like as, as physical tangible evidence of whatever. Mm-hmm. And this 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 one is just really thick with with Bible verses because there's also um, the Apostle James saying, um, you know, "What good is it to have faith without deeds?" Um, and uh, you know his his analogy is that if somebody doesn't have food or clothing, you can't just say to them, "Peace, brother, be warm and fed," and walk away. It's not gonna fix the thing, um, and so faith without works is dead. I, I, I and, I, and I'm, many of us have probably had this experience, but I have a, I have a friend who told a story about this that was uh, very, uh, like, almost to a T, this, this, this story from the book of James, which she was, um, she was in need of, like, you know, she, she was, like, basically totally broke and, like, didn't even have a place to go and, like, said this, I think, in the meeting for worship or, like, after it, but at some point in, like, at, at church. And people were like, oh, I'll pray for you. And someone came up to her and said, oh, I'll pray for you. And that was it, right? Like, she just expressed, like, a very real, tangible need. And the response was, well, I'll pray for you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's not... And, I, and just uh, to tie this to sort of public events a little bit, I noticed uh, my family went out to the uh, the March for Our Lives in Washington, D.C. against mm-hmm. gun violence and call, calling for a little bit more sanity in our gun laws in this country. Um, and... At, at the event, I saw a lot of people carrying signs, or you know, a significant number of people carrying signs that were sort of seemed to me to be anti-religion, um, along the lines of like, you know, your prayer, your thoughts and prayers don't matter. Um, and I understand where the signs were coming from because I also saw that somebody had a sign that said, "We are the we, we are the answer to the thoughts and prayers." Yeah, and that's a, that's a great sign. But but like uh, we we as Christians. Uh, Really risk uh, stoking uh, anti anti religious sentiment when we offer thoughts and prayers and don't offer any concrete action because we expose ourselves as hypocrites. Mm-hmm. And that and that is a really really common um, uh, criticism mm-hmm. of Christians and Christianity. Yeah. Um. So okay. So we've talked about testimony as the singular unified how we make uh, God's work known through our words and actions. So testimonies, plural, gets back to what we were saying about spices or step. And what's going on there is that um, throughout the 20th century, people started making lists categorizing the testimonies. And I believe it was Howard Brinton who did it first. Um, and what he, the way it started is in the book Friends for 300 Years, he wrote about, he, he took all of these various types of friends' witness, like the plain dress or the not swearing oaths or um, just the, the, all, the, all these different uh, drinking alcohols going back several episodes. <laughs> um, he took all these different ways in which friends uh, 
concrete actions friends did as part of living their testimony. And he categorized them. And he had chapters in the book where each chapter was about one of these categories. Well, from there, people started saying instead of this is a category of witnesses saying that this is a testimony. And so from that, we got the idea that we have a um, integrity testimony or an equality testimony, which had not been talked about that way prior to what's that like the 1940s or something. Um, And for for me, for me coming into Quakerism uh, as an adult, which I did. So I, I grew up, uh, when I was a little kid, my parents were Quaker <laughs> pastors, but then I left I left Quakerism for all intents and purposes in my teenage years. Um, when I came back as an adult, um, the testimonies I read, I read a book by, C, uh, by Wilmer Cooper called A Living Faith, and a lot of that book focuses on sort of like looking at the testimonies in a lot of ways and, and like how, how different friends have, have interpreted those and lived them. Um, and so for me, and he actually goes a little bit deeper than Spices, he like has social testimonies and frequently calls the other, but like two different classes of testimonies. Very interesting. I recommend the book. But I, re- I, 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 ex- I received those testimonies as essentially a catechism and a litmus test for whether I was going to become a Quaker. Mm-hmm. And the point at which I decided to become a Quaker, because like all the other testimonies made, made immediate sense to me, right? Um, you know, integrity, simplicity, uh, you know, uh, stewardship, all that stuff. All like, those, sure, telling the truth is good. Sure, yeah, yeah. All those made perfect sense to me. The, but the one testi- the one testimony, quote, quote, that uh, I had to wrestle with more was the peace testimony. Because I am not, I am not by nature a pacifist. I, I like to hit back. That's my, that's my natural inclination uh, when I am struck. Um, but so, like, I really had to wrestle with, the, with, the, what, with what is called peace testimony or testimony of nonviolence or pacifism or... Uh, non-resistance in some circles. Um, testimony against war. Testimony against war. Um, anyway, I I decided to apply for membership in a meeting after I decided that I could I could live with abiding by that testimony. So it was basically a catechism and basically a set of requirements from my perspective. And so and I think that is what it has what what it has become is spices or step or whatever or whatever list that, that uh, mostly liberal, liberal Quakers have, have decided on um, has essentially become um, a set of doctrines that need to be accepted uh, to be like a legitimate Quaker, which... Um, Except that they're more values than doctrines, too, in a lot of cases. I'm, I'm not sure what, what... So what's the difference between a value and a doctrine? I would say doctrines usually, like, doctrine is usually used to refer to um, factual statements, factual statements that you accept or do not accept, whereas a value is, like, things you think are good. Well, hmm, interesting. So, like, I'm thinking of, like, something I find, this is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's relevant. Something I think is really interesting is how the military uses the term doctrine. Um, and, and, and actually, like, the government uses the term doctrine. Like, you think of, like, uh, the Monroe, the Monroe Doctrine. <clears throat> which is that, like, no other country should, no other power should, besides the United States, should be able to dictate terms in the Americas. But basically, America, the United States, should be the only country that would that can that can like directly intervene in countries in the Americas. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bush doc, the George W. Bush doctrine, the Bush doctrine is the doctrine that uh, it's appropriate sometimes for America to engage in in, uh, in uh, aggressive war to prevent war against us. 
mm-hmm. right? So like they're different, like they're different doctrines. Anyway, these are terrible doctrines. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but my point with these doctrines is not how terrible they are, which they are, uh, those particular doctrines. Um, but uh, my point is that the doctrines are about how we act and what, what ethical and appropriate action is. Okay, whereas I think usually when I'm used to the word doctrine being used in religious terms as being, um, darn it, now you've got my brain all in secular doctrines like the doctrine of discovery. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I think of, I, I think doctrine as being similar but not the same as, like, dogma when it comes to religion. Um, but, like, like sometimes people will say, well, Quakers don't have doctrine, Right. And it's like, uh, I'm always like, um, what about the inner light? Like the idea, like, like means teaching. Like we have, like, there is a light that exists in every person. That is a doctrine. That is like, you, you, you have, you have said a thing that is absolutely. And and actually in terms of Quakerism, that's a dogma. Uh, Dogma, dogma is basically a core doctrine that like really is at the heart of the faith. And if you take it out, everything falls falls apart. So actually, uh, the the, do- the doctrine of the light of Christ within is a dogma, mm-hmm. like in technical theological terms, it's a dogma. Right. Um, so, but I mean, like you know, in popular in popular right, but, speech, but then dogma means saying. like something that's like rote and fundamentalist, and you know, can't ever be questioned in any way. Blah blah blah. So, yeah. Yeah, but the but like so, I'm saying, people say like, oh, Quakers don't have doctrine. You just have to believe in the inner light. And I'm like, do you know what you just said? Yeah. <laughs> But so I guess I guess where like how we got down this rabbit hole was I was just saying that like for me as a new liberal Quaker, I experienced like I experienced spices or or it wasn't just spices like I said it was from this book so it was a little bit more than that, um, but I experienced the testimonies. It was positive mm-hmm. because it let me know what the boundaries were for the community and what I needed to conform to to consider myself a Quaker. Mm-hmm. That was good. I wanted that as a newcomer. I wanted to know what it meant for me to fit. Right. So, so for me, as when I when I found Quakers, so first off, uh, I was introduced to Quakerism by a British friend. He lives in Edinburgh, Scotland, um, and so I interacted more things that he was showing me, mm-hmm. um, and so I had the stepped version, mm-hmm. um, not the spices version. Maybe that's why we, some people think we're a British uh, podcast. No, oh, no, no, oh. <laughs> no, that's, no, no, I, um, Martin thinks that the reason that Friends Journal listed us as British in the, um, March edition is because on the About page on the website, it says that, um, 87% of Quakers in Britain are convinced friends, um, and I used the British stat just because nobody's done a survey of American Quakers, <laughs> like, they take better stats over there, that's all I got. Um, anyway. So you were corresponding with this man in Edinburgh? Right, so, I mean, I was dating him. Um, (laughs) Long-distance dating. But, um, so, anyway, so they have the the four-testimony version as opposed to American Quakers are now on six testimonies, which um, my sister-in-law, who's a software developer, says is like feature creep. Hey, it's testimony creep. (laughs) Like, let's just add one more. Oh, yeah. Um, But If if, If it weren't an actual word, it would have crept a lot more by now. Like, if it were, like, LGBT... Like, it would, we would have, like, you know, we'd have, like, 10 or 11, you know, yeah, things in the alphabet soup of testimonies. Yeah. Um, but, so anyway, the the understanding that I had of it coming from um, hanging out 
online with a bunch of British friends and um, then, you know, in person at Friends Meeting of Washington, which is very liberal um, meeting here, was basically uh, what it means to be a Quaker is to think that peace and truth and equality and simplicity are all good things. And that was... Who doesn't think that? Right. That's the trouble with, with, with that construction of having it as, as just, you know, your list of four values mm-hmm. or six. And this, this, is, this is the problem with, like, Howard Brinton. Howard Brinton, in many ways, is the founder of liberal Quakerism. And More so than, yeah, because I've said before that Elias Hicks is, oh, no. like, far, like, just... No. The, 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 there was just a gulf between Elias Hicks and modern liberal Quakers. No, no, Elias Hicks has almost, theologically, has almost nothing to do with modern Quakerism. I guess it's but a good thing we're not called Hicks anymore. Howard Britton uh, is, is certainly, like, one of the founding figures of liberal Quakerism, and I actually appreciate what he was attempting to do. Uh, even though, like, I don't agree theologically with where things have gone, I appreciate what he was attempting to do, uh, because what he was trying to do was he was, he was, like, in the thick of modernism, and he was he was basically trying to take Quakerism and um, streamline it and rationalize it to make it understandable to the modern mind. Uh, and in doing so, he sort of boiled Quakerism down to a quick list of principles. And I understand why that seemed like a good idea at the time. But in retrospect, I think it's pretty clear that uh, those principles it's... become meaningless very quickly because who knows what they even mean. Mm-hmm. And... Um... And, and, like, the step or spices things are, I think those are useful for, like, first day school. Like, mm-hmm. when you're dealing with small children and you're, as we said in, in one or two episodes ago, um, you, you put it as um, the, the milk before the meat, like, mm-hmm. um, spiritual baby food. Mm-hmm. And, and I said that going from uh, having only a simple thing mm-hmm. and not ever getting the... Like or, or shallow thing, and never getting the deeper, more complex thing, mm-hmm. like side of view, that can be really detrimental to faith because you just you run out of rope. So um, yeah, and and I feel like that is what happens when we stick to having to treating spices or step as this is the core of Quakerism, right. and that is why we have not talked about them at all until no. now. <laughs> no, I mean spices are a gateway drug. Spices are like intro, 101. It's baby food. The spice must flow. That's right. The spices must flow. <laughs> um, for all you non-geeks out there, that's a reference to Dune, which is an amazing book, but co- totally irrelevant. I've podcast. never actually read it. Oh, man. So good. Um, but so, like, actually, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about this, but um, spices, like, the testimonies, right, were very helpful to me when I was brand new, mm-hmm. right? They were actually very helpful to me. Um, but, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't keep, they couldn't, they couldn't keep up with my need to grow in the faith beyond, you know, a pretty brief period of time. Mm-hmm. They were, they were, they were, they were not, you know, within a year or two, they were completely useless. Right. Whereas right. in the beginning, yeah. they were quite useful. Right. And like, I remember like when, when I started dating this Scottish friend and, um, like, I read the Wikipedia page on Quakers. That was the first thing I did, like, when, like, well, okay. He had a t-shirt. It's a common t-shirt among young adults in Britain that says, young friends, do it in silence. 
Uh, and if only we could see facial expressions. <laughs> yes, you should see Micah's face. Um, they still, they still like make and sell these T-shirts in Britain. Um, and I did not get the joke, and so I was like, "This has." To, I was like, "I think French means Quaker." I got to figure out what this joke is, and so I read the Wikipedia page on Quakers, and um, Wikipedia page said like, you know, there are non-theist Quakers, and um, Quakers thing are spices basically like it's like it was like it was like and i mean it gave it's it's a very long wikipedia the, page the, it gave the whole background the, the, it gave all this the stuff. quaker wikipedia but, page is incredibly politicized like it's, it's a battle yes it's a battle oh it, it's extremely long it's ex- it's very thorough um and it gave the whole background and it was like but but it said that like in the liberal group like having these values is the thing that matters more and um there are even atheists and i was like i could try this and so, like, I went to meet him for the first time. Um, but, yeah, pretty quickly, it was, like, I wanted to get more, like, I mean, basically, the way I see it, the the spices stuff, that's the fruit. And I wanted to get further toward the root. And so, pretty quickly, I started, um, shockingly, my school, I did not go to a Quaker school. My university um, had an entire bookcase for Quaker books, wow. which is shocking. Wow, what school was this? George Washington University. That's bizarre. Yeah, I don't know why they had an entire bookcase for Quakers, but they did. And um, so I started reading things out of there, and and that, and like as I was reading them, that I did. Obviously, I'm not an atheist anymore, um, and part of that's Mike's fault. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's. I think I think the gateway drug is is while I don't think gateway drug is actually a very accurate thing in real life, I think that's a apt metaphor for the the spices stuff. So I guess that's something that's something uh, I learned in the last twenty five minutes in recording this podcast is I actually am grateful for spices and I actually think they have a purpose. Um, I don't think they're all bad. They've really helped me, but they are they are for spiritual infants. They are not the main course. They are not the core. That is why it's very important to actually have a ongoing religious ed program mm. in, in your meeting. And um, I think that, I mean, part, you know, we say on our about page for this podcast that we're doing this uh, in part because there is such, well, basically there's uneven availability of religious mm-hmm. ed for grownups in meetings. Like m- meetings that have kids will have a kids program. But they don't always necessarily have something for adults, or they might only have a newcomer class, or they might only have ongoing and not have a newcomer class. And so there's all, all these gaps in, in the religious education and faith formation process in a lot of meetings. Also, like, I mean, I think a lot of people are like me, where, like, I've got small kids at home, and I work really long hours sometimes, and I don't have much time, like it's hard for me to get through a book these days. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I had the opportunity in my 20s to spend, like, almost a decade just devoting myself to, like, prayer and study and ministry and, like, doing all this stuff and, like, reading tons of books and all this stuff. But, like, that's not realistic for most people most times. Like, I couldn't do that now. If I were becoming a Quaker now, like, how would I ever learn this stuff? That, like because I, since I don't have really the space to be reading dozens and dozens of books, mm-hmm. um, so like 
figuring out, like, hopefully this podcast is a place where, like, hopefully some people are listening to this on the way to work for their, like, 50-hour work weeks where, like, this is their opportunity to actually, like, think a little bit more deeply about what space is about. Because most Quakers in most places, regardless of their theological persuasion, don't know that much about the faith. And so, like, the more the more we can we can make it easy to get access to this stuff without having to dig through, you know, 50 dusty tomes, mm-hmm. uh, the better we're going to be. Yeah, and... <laughs> okay, funny enough, so the first book that I grabbed out of the school library about Quakers was Pink Dandelion's An Introduction to Quakerism. Mm-hmm. So last June, I actually met Pink Dandelion um, so, uh, down at Guilford College for a conference. And uh, two, of, two of his students were there, um, PhD candidate students. And um, both of them, their response to that book being the first book I read about Quakers after reading the Wikipedia page was to question my sanity. <laughs> Which book? An introduction to Quakerism. Why Not, is that why is that insane? Isn't it doesn't say it's an introduction? It does! I don't I don't know. <laughs> um I mean there's also the very short introduction, which is obviously much shorter. This is like a two hundred page book sure. that like takes you through Quaker history and through the schisms. I bought and, it. I bought it and then never and, read it. For some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, well, it looked it looked it looked very interesting. It, 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 it was, was like, very wow. interesting, and it and it made me feel like um, I needed to do that that I sh- could not s- sort of stay static in just spices are nice and mm-hmm. and needed to actually look uh, a lot deeper into into the faith. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, apparently, it's a difficult or too detailed or whatever read, I guess. I don't know. I liked it. <laughs> Man, these Quaker kids, these days are soft. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up there. And next time we are going to be looking at a listener request. We're going to talk about the book of revelation because the next part in the book is about the lambs war and we decided that this listener request really fit in there really nicely, so we're just going to slip it in between. You can find us on the web at quakerpodcast.org, as Quaker Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or Patreon, and on iTunes.